Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trevor Woods here from SB Nation's Maize and Brew with another edition of Getting to Know Michigan's Opponent. This week, Michigan's opponent is the Maryland Terrapins, a team who has gotten off to a fast start, especially on the offensive side of things. 3-0 on the season, got a quarterback in Tagovailoa who has just been lighting it up. So Terrapin fans, I'm sure, are happy to see that. But with me today to provide some more insight on the Maryland football program and how things are trending this year is Varun Shankar from the DBK, the Diamondback, the student paper of the University of Maryland. And Varun is also a Washington Post high school sports writer. And I think he's got a bright future. How are we doing today, buddy? Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm doing well. How about you? I couldn't be better, and I say that almost every week when somebody asks me because it's football season, and guess what? This is going to be an exciting matchup, especially on the offensive side of things. I think this is going to have some national intrigue, especially for Michigan, a team that had three non-conference games against teams like Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. This presents their stiffest test to date, and one fans are certainly interested in, how do you feel about the matchup from your perspective? And just are the fans kind of excited about it down there? I think so. I think the last game against SMU was probably Maryland's biggest test of the season to date. Um, against you know you know against a really high powered offense that they have with the Mustangs. Um, and I think that people left that game encouraged because Maryland got the win, but not necessarily because of how Maryland played. Um, I, I think there was a lot of sloppy play in the game, and you saw 
you saw some of the holes in this Maryland team, but you also saw how much talent they have and how it's able to overcome. So people are excited because this is kind of a a true measuring test game for a program that has not, not only has it not beaten the top teams in the Big Ten, it hasn't really stayed close. Yeah, and the Maryland offense, they've been a strong part of why they're 3-0 and and why people are talking about the program right now. Maryland has an offense that ranks 20th in passing offense. They're 10th in team passing efficiency. And beyond Talia, there's definitely some other weapons on the Maryland offense at running back and wide receiver. Could you just kind of preview the Maryland offense, what to expect from them? Michigan linebacker Michael Barrett yesterday was talking about the fact that they have to prepare differently. They're going up against kind of an air raid, going against a running quarterback, but they like to mix in the run too, a little bit of everything. Uh, So what is your thoughts on the Maryland offense so far from quarterback and all the way down the line? Yeah, so it was interesting because in week one we saw Talia struggle a little bit against Buffalo. Nothing too severe, but, you know, he struggled with his accuracy at times. And week two against Charlotte, you know, it's Charlotte, so I'd like to put as much caveats there as possible. But, um, you know, the offense looked a lot more smooth. He played a lot better. And then against SMU... They showed a different element of their team that I think that they've been trying to cultivate for a really long time. You know, something that Mike Loxley, the coach at Maryland, has been talking about for a really long time is they want to improve their run game. It's really been a focus for them, and they came in with an unproven running back room. And Richard freshman Roman Hemby has really stepped up. He finished with 16 attempts for 151 yards against SMU. And I think the biggest thing that stood out for me was he had some big games before I think he had 100 yards in the season opener. And the thing that impressed me about him was it seemed for a long time that he was a very boomer bust running back where, you know, he has great speed. So if he had a hole, he would burst through it and pick up, you know, 30 plus yards. But there were a lot of plays where he would get stuffed. And I was really waiting to see, can he be maybe not a bell cow running back, but more of a steady in between the tackles. We really saw that actually on that final drive that Maryland had their last six plays. Sorry, the last five plays before the game-winning touchdown were runs to Hemby, and he gained six, nine, and 12, six, and three yards on those five straight attempts, really leading them down the field from the SMU 35 to the SMU 8. And I, I thought that was really impressive. I was really uh, something that I've been looking to see from him, and it was cool to see that he was able to um, he was able to you know bring that more traditional uh, between the tackles running attack. But with Maryland, you have to talk about the receiving options, right? You got Rakim Jarrett, who is, you know, just electric. He had two catches in the game against Michigan. I'm uh, sorry, in the game against SMU, and one of them went for 48 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you got Dante Demas, who's still working his way back from an injury and hasn't really had a standout game yet, but he's going to get more and more comfortable every week. You got Jayshon Jones, who has just great run after the catch ability. He's just a very elusive player. And then you got Jacob Copeland, the transfer from Florida, who's just this really strong, uh, really uh, athletic player, a uh, really explosive. And so he gives them another uh, he gives them another uh, option. And I'm not even talking about the player who led them in catches against SMU, Corey Deitches, their tight end, who's really more of an underneath option right now. But he's really started to showcase his not only his athletic ability but him starting to become more comfortable at the tight end position they move him around a lot he's not really a traditional blocking tight end 
Um, they really like to move around as an each back of sorts, and he creates mismatches wherever he goes. Now back to the quarterback, Talia. He had a great year last year for the most part. If you just look at his raw statistics, 3,860 yards, 26 touchdowns. Did throw his share of interceptions, but I believe a chunk of them came in one game. Anyway, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions on the year. But one of his least productive games was against Michigan. He had his second lowest completion percentage of the year, 57.6%. He threw for 171 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Michigan won the game 59-18. It's obviously still early on in the season, but have you seen improvement from Talia since last year, or does he still have some of those tendencies that are going to lead to interceptions and turnovers, or do you think he seems a little more well-rounded in 2022? Honestly, I just think it's too early to tell. Uh, I, I think there's definitely been encouraging signs. I think the fact that, I guess, SMU, you know, they go down – uh, how much do they go down by? They, they go down by you know, a, a relative, uh, relatively sizable margin. And instead of kind of you know pressing and trying to force the issue, he's he's working within the flow of the offense. Um, yeah, you know they went down I think thirteen to three, and so they had to they, they had to come back. And he was he seemed comfortable. He didn't throw a pick. Um, he was really comfortable using his legs, uh, and, and they designed stuff. For him to use his leg, which is something they didn't do as much in the first few weeks, um, but I think it's, it's, it's still to be, to be determined, right? You play Buffalo, Charlotte, and SMU. None of those are really strong defenses. Uh, it, I think I think you still have to see if he's going to be able to avoid not only the first turnover because I don't think that's the main issue. I think it's the compounding mistakes as he tries to kind of make up for it that really uh, gets him in trouble. Now, we've tried to highlight some positives, but we're into reality here, and there have been some negatives to the Maryland program this year. One would be penalties, and Varun, you wrote a great article about the penalty situation. Maryland, I believe, had 15 penalties in their victory over SMU. Today, Mike Loxley said that he showed players clippings. Maybe it was your article, but clippings <laughs> clippings of some other articles. You know, there are multiple ones out there in the universe talking about, hey, Maryland really needs to clean up their act on penalties. And then uh, defensively, you spoke about starting to see maybe some holes on Maryland. That seems like a hole, right? Uh, their defense. I mean, SMU, they're not a bad team. Credit to SMU for holding the lead against Maryland for a while. Maryland ends up coming back in that game, winning 34-27. But would you say there are some holes on the Maryland defense? And if so, what are they? And obviously the penalties, that's a red flag too. Yeah, so starting with the defense, I think the biggest thing is... They gave up 20 points to SMU in the first half, and then the second half they only give up seven and none in the fourth quarter. And you see that they give up 369 passing yards, 151 rushing yards. Those are gaudy numbers, but what they did was Maryland forced turnovers. Uh, I think Bo Bray forced a fumble, had an interception. Dante Trader had another interception. Um, and th- they were able to really be effective in the red zone. Uh, SMU just went three of six in the red zone. And so... I think what you saw from Maryland was probably a blueprint for how they want to play defense this year, where I don't think right now this is a team that can just line up against great opponents and say, hey, you know, like, you're 11 versus R11, 
we're going to just, you know, stop you three and out and you're off the field, right? I think that this is a team that has a propensity to give up uh, explosive plays both in the run and pass game. I think that what they can do, however, and this goes back to their, their it's a really, even the defense has a lot of talent. You know, a guy like Jayshon Barham is a four-star uh, freshman, and he's really, you saw him start to figure it out in that SMU game. And um, it's plays that he makes, or players like him make, where he tips the pass over the middle and it leads to one of those interceptions. Bo great, you know, goes with a punch to knock a, a fumble out, and it's maybe not plays that are the most sustainable week to week because we know that turnovers are random for for the most part. Um, but if you have players who are putting themselves in positions to do that, maybe for a game or two at a time, you can overcome some of the holes you have, whether it's the lack of a truly uh, elite pass rush or um, some holes uh, late, lower down in the secondary. Have you had a chance to look at Michigan yet? Uh, not, nothing like too in depth yet, but uh, I have like you know a general idea. Right on, yeah. Well, have you seen any of JJ McCarthy? I find that to be interesting. McCarthy's played very well early on this season. He took the starting reins after week two of the season. A versatile, dual threat quarterback. Needs some more time on task. This will be the best opponent he's faced as a starting quarterback yet. What do you think the plan of attack from Maryland's defense will be overall against a dual threat quarterback, whether it's McCarthy or someone like him? What is the schematics of the Maryland defense beyond the you know execution? I think one thing, uh, you know, they actually screwed, this was something that Mike Lotsey talked about after the Charlotte game because Charlotte's quarterback, who uh, I think is Xavier Williams, uh, got out of the pocket a lot, and he was a mobile guy as well. And I think that what Loxie said after the game was that they needed better rush discipline. Uh, he had said it after the game or a couple of days after, and he was talking about how they need more rush discipline. And I think he really saw that improve against uh, SMU. Obviously, Tanner Mordecai isn't as much of a running quarterback as uh, J.J. McCarthy is, but I think that Maryland's going to try as much as they can to keep him in the pocket, even if that means sacrificing some pass rush to do so. You know, they're, they're going to be a little less aggressive, maybe working up the field to try and make sure that he's not able to step up and roll into, you know, get to his strong side. They're going to try to flush him uh, to his offhand, um, and they're going to make they're, they're they're going to make him try and earn everything rather than give him easy explosive plays out of structure. Back to the offense quickly. We've already talked about the weapons on Maryland's offense and there's multiple and it's going to be fun to watch especially against a Michigan defense that's been very very good of course against some pretty bad teams but they've only given up 17 points in three games and now definitely playing some talent the biggest thing that Michigan hasn't done this season is there's been a couple times on a couple touchdowns and if we want to talk about you know chasing perfection uh, and you only given up 17 points through three weeks the couple big long touchdowns you gave up uh, stick out even more than maybe if you gave up seven long ones in a game sure. so uh, who would be the guy if you could pick just one or maybe there's two but it, is there one definitive guy that you could say this is the threat to break you know a receiver screen for 70 yards or a running back taking it 70 yards is there one legitimate number one big play threat for maryland i think 
right now, I'd say it's one of Jared, Jones, or Hemby. Um, Jared's, you know, he's just a, just an incredible athlete. You see how they try to use him in so many different ways. You know, in the first few weeks, they gave him jet sweeps, little touch passes. He takes, he takes, you know, a little out route where he makes the defender fall down and goes for another 20 yards. And then against SMU, he catches a 48-yard bomb, right? Um, Jones is similar, maybe not. He's a little bigger, um, I think, and I think that that allows him to be a little bit more. Um, they like to use him in the slot as well. Or, sorry, they like to use him on the boundary and um, try to use him again as, you know, jet sweeps and stuff like that. And he's, he's really uh, shifty. Um, and then Hemby, just breakaway speed. You know, if he gets a little crease, he's gonna he's he's able to make he's able to pull away from people as he gets down the field. Last one about the offense: Maryland's offensive line. They're going to be going up against a Michigan team that they've had a lot of tackles for loss. I believe 17 tackles for loss through three games. A lot of quarterback hits too, even when they're not sacking the quarterback. How has Maryland's offensive line fared in pass protection? They've been pretty good. Uh, they're they're an experienced unit, so you there's a lot of chemistry, and that's something they talked about a lot in the offseason and the early parts of the season. Um, they know what everyone else is going to be doing. Uh, you know, you talk about Duncan, Lunsford, uh, Branch, Spencer Anderson, and then Delmar Glaze going from left to right. There isn't a huge weak link at any point, and especially at a group like offensive line, where you don't want to have one place that other teams can exploit. Uh, you don't really have something that's a glaring weakness like that. Um, and I think that if there's one area of concern, I'm looking at penalties. I think that this is a group that had, you know, it's fine to have a holding penalty every now and then, right? That's something that happens in the flow of the play. It just happens. You can't have pre-snap penalties, and that's that's where the issue really stems for Maryland. Now, 15 penalties last week, were most of them on the offense side of the ball, or was it kind of even? Nine offensive penalties for 70 yards, six defensive penalties for 71 yards. Okay. Uh, so it's not entirely even, but it, it, it's pretty much, you know, you're, you're seeing it's not just one issue. Uh, it's, 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 it's a whole lot of undisciplined, undisciplined play. And last question for you. Do you have any predictions at all? You don't got to give a score prediction if you don't want. I think I'm going to have to go with Michigan. I think for Maryland, uh there's still too much of a talent uh, gap right now, and uh, I think I think uh, Michigan pulls out the win. I do wonder if this might be closer than their games in previous years. I think that's probably a goal for Maryland. Uh, you know, last year they lost 59-18. You probably want to shrink that margin a considerable amount as you try to maybe not ascend to that upper tier of the Big Ten, but at least put yourself in a better position than you were last year. Well, 3-0 versus 3-0, and somebody's going to lose their first game of the season on Saturday afternoon at Michigan Stadium, the big house. Could you please tell our listeners where to find you on Twitter? Yeah, of course. Well, you can find me at B-Y-V-A-R-U-N-S-H-A-N-K-A-R, uh, by Warren Trunker, and you can find my work at the Diamondback. That's dbknews.com slash author slash V Everybody do check out some of his work because I got to learn more about the team by reading some of his articles especially about the defense and the penalty issue which 
Sounds like Loxie probably read your article to some players. So, so uh, I, I hope you're a source of motivation for them because it was uh, it was very well done, and uh, I think they think the coaches would agree too. So, thank you, Varun. And this has been Trevor Woods from SB Nation's Amazing Brew. You can follow me on Twitter at Woods Football. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. And I will be talking to you folks once the dust settles when Michigan plays Maryland for the post-game reaction podcast high top michigan stadium